Thank you for listening to this episode of Lunch Pail Guys. Episodes are released weekly, and you can always check the description for timestamps of topics that you might want to follow. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please leave a five-star review on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore, and subscribe to be notified of new episodes in the future. All right, everybody, welcome back to our second main Lunch Pail Guys episode of the week. We're just going to get right into our first segment today. We're going to talk about some baseball, our uh, maybe once or twice a month baseball segment. <laughs> and we're going to start with a little bit of a story. So last week, Clayton Kershaw was pulled in the seventh inning of the Dodgers win over the Twins after throwing only 80 pitches with a perfect game going. For context, there have only been 23 perfect games <laughs> in history, and 80 pitches through seven innings is not that many pitches. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... <laughs> Bart, this was an analytics move. Uh, they don't want to, you know, wear Kershaw's arm. They don't, they, you know, the analytics say that, you know, it might have been better to take him out for winning chances, but it took away his chance at history. So, are analytics killing the game of baseball? I see you threw some opinions into the question, so I want to retort with some <laughs> facts. <laughs> I do, I do want to say this. I think the answer you get to this question will, will depend heavily on whether the person you're asking is a big MLB fan or not. That's the sense I get. I'm not for our listeners who might not know. So in my mind, I understand where people are coming from, but I don't mind this move at all. Actually, <laughs> I like, yeah, I, I mean, I understand, right? Like we haven't had one in 10 years since 2012, a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually, he was potentially going to break the record for strikes in a perfect game. Even he was, he was only one short of tying it. So people were saying that we might've been deprived of the greatest pitching performance ever in a single game. I don't really care. <laughs> the reason I don't care is, is well, there it's twofold for one Kershaw's fragile. He's 34. Last season, because of an elbow injury, he missed a couple of months. Then he tried to come back, played a few games, and then he got hurt again, ended up missing the whole postseason, right? Uh, and then secondly, you say 80 pitches is not a lot, but in a vacuum, sure, maybe. But remember that spring training was shortened this year, so all pitchers are getting um, or need more time to warm up. And he also was on pace that way to throw 103, which would have become the most in a game this season. So... Like, it could have been significant. I mean, obviously, you don't know for sure. But my bigger reason that I'm not really upset with this is because ultimately, like, it seems weird that we care so much about an individual accolade when the team is clearly, what should their goal be? To win championships, right? I think it makes more sense to preserve your older pitcher and try to and try to make sure that he's there for the postseason. Last year, they made the NLCS, and that was it. You could argue that they could have easily won the title if only Kershaw had been available. So I'm not super upset by it. The analogy that I thought of is like, if a player in the NBA were on track to break Wilt's 100 point record, but the game was all wrapped up and he didn't have to play in the fourth quarter at all, like, would you want him playing? Like, why why risk your player getting hurt for an individual record? I don't think so. It doesn't make sense. Fans in 10 years, what what are they gonna remember more? If you won the title this year, or if Kershaw had a perfect game, they're gonna remember the perfect game. They will remember the perfect game, hundred percent. More than a title, less. So yeah, more rare. Oh, yeah, this, yeah. Well, so, so this then, is then an average team's championship rate. 
Or an average yeah, team's championship rate, no, but then I mean, this is the Dodgers. Know it's the Dodgers. <laughs> this is the Dodgers. Anyway, my, won more World Series my opinion games. is that <laughs> okay. the Dodgers were right because they should be caring more about making sure Kershaw's around for the whole season. But yeah, I understand. Like I said, I think everybody who says otherwise is probably more of an MLB fan than I am. <laughs> So, so yeah, this is my thing. I get that you want Clayton Kershaw to be there, but you want them to, you want him to be there for the playoffs. I feel like if there is any time to pitch him the distance, it's at the start of the season. If he does get hurt, if his arm all of a sudden falls off, he's got the whole rest of the season to rehab for the playoffs, let's say. And he's only you're only doing like 30 starts or so, let's say, in an MLB season. And that, that's so you're missing 30 potential Clayton Kershaw appearances. But then you want those three in that playoff series when it comes to the uh, the best of seven playoff series. And also, I don't think this has anything to do with like analytics. Like, sure, it's yeah, modern baseball versus, but this is not like an analytics thing. They've been um, in in the sense that like we've been talking about with like uh, shifts and like launch angle and all that stuff. That's like a like a last five or ten years invention. Like pitch count, they've been monitoring that since like the '80s unofficially, but like officially since 1999 is when the MLB started keeping that stat. And yes, like we're not in the age where Nolan Ryan is pitching like 150 pitches in a game or whatever. Even before that, they were doing crazier numbers than that in like the early 1900s, but um I think there is the the analytics thing. I saw somebody say that like it's it's well known apparently now that pitchers do a lot worse on their third appearance against a batter. And so yes, he but was that's taken a, out at that point. That's definitely not, I feel like, what happened here. Because it's not like the Dodgers took him out because they thought he wasn't their best chance to win. He had just pitched yeah. seven perfect innings. Like, as you mentioned, it was the injury thing. Like, yes, the third batter round definitely is a thing that managers consider. But if that was considered in this case, that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Given that he'd been yeah, perfect. And they were up 3 nothing in a game that doesn't matter all that much. The outcome of there are 162 games in a, like... Also, as soon as anything happened, as soon as a single runner got Pull on, right. he would have been out because the perfect game would have been gone. So it's, I don't know. Exactly. Can we at least try? It's just like, come on now. And also, uh, one more thing, Lucas, before I, so I don't lose this thought. Like, I get it's a team game, but the team, I guarantee you every member on that team wanted Clayton Kershaw to throw that perfect game. And they wanted to, and they were going to die for every foul ball, like anything of, of the gaps they were going to lay out for. Like the team wanted Kershaw to win too. They don't care. That team did not care about that individual win. They cared about the perfect game. I, I guarantee you that. But do they care about preserving their pitcher so they can win the championship? But he'll be there in the World Series if he gets hurt. He'll be there. He but has you don't know that. Eight months. Not not eight months. He has um, five months to rehab potentially. I don't know. I think it's yeah. even if you're worried about that for having him in the playoffs, he has so much time. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Lucas. <coughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing is, too, is, like, how much does this one game really matter to the Dodgers? And I know that there's the long-term argument. But if they, like, if they lose or whatever, it's fine. They, the Dodgers are going to win, like, 95 games this year. Like, the, the one bad thing happening in one at the risk of a perfect game is, I don't know, I don't think worth it that much. And there have been roughly 225,000 baseball games played in Major League Baseball history, and there have been 23 perfect games. I can't stress that enough. And a guy who is, like, Dealing like Bart said, might have been the greatest pitching performance ever, and to pull him after seven just feels like ridiculous to me. And one of the things that I think is so fun about baseball is that like you don't only have the game, but you have like the games within the games. Like I think in baseball, more than any other sport, like the little like records or like achievements matter. Like a perfect game is something that like 
or even just a no hitter is something that every pitcher strives for. And the odds of it are so insurmountably low that like that's an achievement. Like honestly, that when throwing a perfect game, I think is more impressive than winning a World Series, given the whole scale of like baseball history. Um, and looking at it, and it's things that these little games within the games are the things that give baseball its popularity. I think, especially when baseball is lacking in it a lot. Like the thing that saved baseball before was like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa going for the home run record um, in the late '90s. If you take away the opportunities for those, like I think baseball is already on not a great path in terms of its viewership. I think we all know that. And if you take away like the little games within the game that make it fun, that make you know, because like if there's going to be 162 games in the season and the value of each game is so degraded, you need little things to keep you coming yeah. back. And things like throwing a perfect mm-hmm. game and hitting the home run record it, are it. I know I go to every single baseball <clears throat> game and I'm like, maybe I'll see a no-hitter today or maybe I'll see a perfect yeah. game. And stuff like that keeps me coming back. And anybody who's ever been to a baseball game with me or follows me on Instagram or anything has seen that like I want to see a no-hitter before I die. Like That's my life goal. Mm-hmm. And I, other than that, like... Going to a baseball game is fun. You know, you have a drink out in the sun, it's nice, you just relax, you watch a game. But, like, the thing that keeps me coming back over and over is, like, the thrill of maybe seeing that no-hitter and having that taken away. I don't know, it takes a little bit of the joy out of the game for me. And I realize this is a me answer. Like, like, no, but, it, but it's because athlete. because it's because sports is about moments. Everything that yeah. happens in sports is about moments, and baseball has forgotten that they're an entertainment product and that are, their goal is to be something worth watching, like you said, Lucas, where <clears throat> they have a perfect game or a no-hitter or a home run record or just like bat flips and personality and stars and they don't let their stars be stars and they they've completely forgotten the value of a media contract and you know as far as like actually being something worth watching and i think baseball has <laughs> failed that over the last like five years and, and maybe maybe even before that okay but on that point though dave roberts isn't thinking about he even said this, like, yes, I'm a fan of baseball, but I'm the manager of the team. I can't be making decisions with my fan cap. So I don't necessarily... Thank like, you. I don't necessarily, like, blame him in that regard of, like, thinking about trying to preserve the entertainment value. But you are right, though. But it's not, like, on, it doesn't fall on Dave Roberts' shoulders. I also think, but it Lucas, should. It should? Go ahead. It should. Yeah, it should. And it should for the owners as well <laughs> to have something worth watching. Like, like Lucas know, said, if we just demean the value of the regular season, like, what's... What's the like? There's there's 162 pointless games in baseball right now because nobody cares about actually being something worth watching. Well, there's like 933,000 people that probably care and watch that game. No, but uh, <laughs> and Clayton Kershaw the clearly is. in the interview afterwards wanted to throw a perfect game. Well, yeah, everybody wanted to see that. But <clears throat> I also think one other thing too, like if you're in the camp of like, I'm okay with this move, or like I like I like the move even is I think we've become numb to, like, no-hitters and kind of sometimes can forget, like, the distinction between a no-hitter and a perfect game. And that, like, there's been 314 no-hitters compared to the 23 perfect games. And, like, I didn't actually even realize this when, Bart, you said this earlier. The last perfect game was literally 10 years ago. I, like, because no-hitter, we had, like, nine no-hitters yeah. last year. So, something like that. So, I think it, it, some you can kind of become a little numb to like how impressive a perfect game is because of how many no hitters we have, which is obviously mm-hmm. a very similar feat, but not the same thing. Mm-hmm. One interesting thing is that Dave Roberts has done this before. Yeah. So yeah, I've heard one of the reasons we haven't had one in that long is because it almost happened in 16 and he did the exact yeah. same thing, which I think is very interesting. This man just does not care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and I'm all for it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let your players have moments. Bart wants to tear down baseball. Bart like, and Wyatt both chances? want to tear down baseball, but in different ways. I just really don't <laughs> understand. Like, what are the chances that Clayton Kershaw gets injured in those next 20 pitches? I feel yeah, like exactly. the analytics no, would I mean, tell you sure. those are super low. Yeah. I just... You don't know. You, you don't, you don't know, but he could also, you know, you took he, him out the he seven, got he hurt. he trips down the dugout stairs. Exactly. The odds that any one game is a no-hitter is approximately 0.009%. No-hitter or perfect game? A perfect game. The odds that any one game is a perfect game is point zero zero nine percent. Wow. Like the odd, like taking that away from somebody is crazy. Like I just can't fathom that. And even what there used to be, there have been like three hundred no hitters ever. Three fourteen. Yep. Okay, three fourteen. There are roughly two hundred, however many thousand games. The odds of any one game being a no hitter are still not high. It's point one three percent. Like that's still incredibly low. Yeah. I know. Like, I am. Be yeah. More I'm honestly impressed by Dave Roberts's like lack of emotion, though. That is something I would typically look for in a manager. That that is something you want, and he seems to just have like <laughs> he does not care, which would be valuable in a lot of situations. Yeah. Fair. It's boring. <laughs> well, moving to maybe something that's not boring: the NBA playoffs are upon us. Uh, we've had a few games already. Sixers just went up 2 nothing against the Raptors. First game to wrap up. Um, some surprises. The Timberwolves took down the Grizzlies. Um, but we're not going to talk about all that. We're going to talk bigger picture. So Wyatt, who is the most approved of any player during the playoffs? This might be a bad take given the success that the Sixers have had in the first two games, but I think it's James Harden as far as being a guy who has something to prove. Um, despite what he says or what he thinks, it's true. It's James Harden. He has been talked about as like the best peer scorer in NBA history in years past. He has looked at by some, or at least has been by some, as the second greatest shooting guard in league history, in that a championship would solidify him there and ultimately jump him over Dwayne Wade, who has had far more success in his career. He is like an all-time great Hall of Famer type resume, and I believe it's on the line. And not that he will not make the Hall of Fame if he doesn't actually win a championship this year, but his spot in all-time great Mount Rushmore shooting guard type you know, uh, recognition that he might get. His entire superstar career from 2014 to now, he has seen his shooting percentage drop about 3 to 4% from the regular season. Um, he normally shoots 44. It comes down to anywhere from like 41 to 40%. Ever since since 2014, he's seen a drop in points by five points every single year since 2015 from the regular season. Um, so he, again, he averaged like 36, and then he would average 31. <clears throat> and he's still an elite passer, and he's a great option to run your team. But, you know, he's losing his grip on being the primary or secondary scorer for a team. And even this year, uh, before the game, he was 35% from the field uh, before they played earlier today. He forced his way out of Houston after two playoff implosions or three playoff implosions. He forces his way out of Brooklyn after a playoff implosion himself. He was traded for Ben Simmons, who might have been able to get you uh, a Damian Lillard in a possible trade. And he has $200 million on the line because he's looking for another max contract to close out the rest of his career. And right now, if I were to pay a guy, if everybody on the Sixers was a free agent next year and I had to keep Tyrese Maxey or James Harden, I'm picking Maxey. James Harden right now, 18 points per game, 
uh, 10 assists per game in the 2021-22 playoffs. I just It's unimpressive for a guy who wants that much money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually I wrote down um, five names in this segment, and four of them are Sixers. Uh, so I have, I think Joel, no, Joel Embiid has a lot of pressure going into this playoffs. I'm telling you, he thinks, and, and I, I like don't blame him for this. He thinks he's in the same conversation with Giannis as do his supporters. Giannis has won a title. Giannis has two MVPs. Like how much longer do we need to trust the process? I don't know if we're in the process anymore, according to the Sixers lingo. But at some point, like he's a, I love him too. He's a great player. He plays hard, but I think there is a lot of pressure on him. Like another big man in the East has done it with maybe a arguably a worse supporting cast or maybe at least equal another one's done it i think there's a lot of pressure on him and to stay healthy as well james harden you already mentioned why so i won't do that doc rivers their narr- the narrative right now is that he's a choke yeah. artist right and he he kind of maybe even got luckier was carried by the the trio with the celtics in his championship there he imploded with the clippers uh, they kind of imploded last year, too, you could say, with the Ben Simmons and the way he handled the Ben Simmons situation. And then finally, I think Daryl Morey has a lot of pressure on him, too. Like, his faith in ad- analytics have won him exactly zero titles. <laughs> like how much longer before he admit that he isn't as smart as he thinks? I don't know. Or that, is, that his, like, faith in the analytics that he treasures does not produce the championship teams that he thinks. I think there's a lot of pressure on that organization uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with any of those names. No, I mean, as a Sixers <laughs> fan, I totally agree. And I think that, like, Harden's probably one on that list just because he's, like, getting older and he doesn't have, like, that many more opportunities. Yeah. I think you've seen him slow down a little bit this year. Although, I will mention this every time, his passing is excellent and he does never, he never gets enough credit for that. But I think, like, uh, even as a scoring drop, like, he really just, like, this is one of his last probably opportunities to win a title. Um, and I think Doc is probably number two after that. He has struggled this season as a coach. Like, they are doing as well as they are, I think, in spite of him at this point. Like, they blew more 15-point leads than any other team but the Knicks uh, this year. Um, and so, I mean, without that, they're probably the one seed because, what, they finished, I think, three games back or four games back is the four seed. Um, and it seems like with a roster of Embiid, who's one of the three best players in the NBA... <laughs> Harden, who's an all-timer, even if he's getting a little older, and Maxi, who's probably like a top-five player under 21, I would say, or has proven himself to be this season. Like, you should be competing for a title, especially with, when your other supporting cast of Harris and Thibel are solid as well. Um, so I think that if they don't make it past the second round this year, I could see Doc maybe being out. Because they're, they're clearly underachieving with the talent on the roster. They did it last year when they blew two multiple 20-point leads to the Hawks, and then choked away game. Like, yes, with Ben Simmons, some of the calls of last year, I think that's true, but I think you can't blow two plus two twenty plus point leads in the playoffs without coaching being an issue. And he's blown more 3-1 leads than any coach in NBA history. Yeah. Which is why, even though the Sixers are up 2-0 now, I have no faith. <laughs> like, I'm still still sweating it a little bit. But I don't know. They That being said, with all the pressure on them, the two, they've yeah. dominated the Raptors in both games so far um, this year, which is a really good sign because I was worried about the Raptors coming in. The Raptors have been playing really, really well right. in, and they've just yeah. completely dominated them, uh, which has been encouraging so far. Yeah. So, we'll see. Can I throw another name out there? This It may like kind of sound weird, but I think Luca 
kind of has yeah, a little bit of pressure. Next on mine. Okay, yeah. cool. I know he's not playing right now, but for all of his greatness, he's really good. He they ha- he hasn't won a playoff series yet. What if the Mavericks win a playoff series without him? What does that say? What does that say about him? Granted, they're Says the, the Jazz seed. are bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The odds maybe aren't that great. But granted, and they are like the higher seed this time too, so they're overall a better team. But that wouldn't look good though if they won a yeah. playoff series without him, and then he comes back and maybe they they lose that second series. That w- that wouldn't look good. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's pressure on him. I would personally be shocked. I'm. Yeah. Personally, be I would be shocked if the Mavs win it, the series. If they win, well, it, if they win, it'll be because he came back. I mean, he like he might come back still in the middle of it, but. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they go down two zero to the Jazz, who we all were low on in our last power rankings, it'd be pretty telling. Yeah. Um, I have another name I want to throw out, which is Chris Paul. Yes. I think Chris Paul is is the clear number one for me because he's on the best team in the league right now, and he's never won a title. All this talk about how he's the point god and you know one of the best point guards of all time, and this guy has never been able to find playoff success. He also has kind of choked a few series away, right? So I think if if the Suns don't win the title this year. The Chris Paul slander will only get louder, and I think I would be pretty concerned by that if I were him, because the Suns are absolutely the favorite right now. I mean, that team is stacked. So if if Chris Paul, you know, if he gets hurt or something, that's one thing. But if he just doesn't play well, it's going to look pretty bad. I yeah. I, if he gets hurt or something, I don't think it's just one thing because injuries have have completely derailed his entire right. playoff runs over the last couple of years in Houston. It was a hamstring injury, which possibly people believe that they would have gotten past Golden State. Last year, he had the shoulder injury, which people believe had seriously... I mean, it, it affected him in the first couple of series. His health, I suppose, is a question mark going into the finals series, but it's something that people believe might have hindered their chance to win a championship this year. And if he was unable to stay healthy again this year, it's going to be really bad for him as far yeah. as him being that guy, you know, yeah. holding up right. for a series. Yeah, and I feel like last year, the Suns were a bit of a surprise, so it was like whatever they did, it was kind of like... You had a good season, even though they did blow the 2-0 lead in the finals. And this year, they are the clear number one. And so that comes with, yeah, a lot of lot more added pressure. What about what about Patrick Beverly? Who... <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No Pat Bev slander on this podcast. I was ready to hear your argument there. <laughs> no. You know, he's the the leading superstar in the seventh seed. And, you know, he, he's already booked the point. Oh, get out. out. So, I mean... <clears throat> I, I support no. Pat Bev. He, here, here's an, here's I'm not a Pat one. Bev fan, but I'll, I'll, I'll I'm not a Pat Bev fan either. But yeah. you know, you love some of the emotion. Um, ben Simmons, who's possibly having a fourth, anywhere from Game Four to Game Six possible return. Uh, he has not. He for some reason is making his season debut on a brand new team that he's never played with before ever, in the middle of the playoffs or the beginning of the playoffs, and. You know, he his approach to the game of basketball has been arrogant. His behavior has been rather aloof. He is viewed as incredibly mentally weak uh, amongst a lot of NBA Twitter crowds. And, you know, he tried to make a comeback or couldn't make a comeback because he had sat out for so long and received a back injury. Uh, you question what he's going to look like coming back. And if he believes he can actually be a contributor... I mean, like, the last time we saw Ben Simmons play at all, not just the playoffs, was an incredible implosion uh, in that one game. So it's it's like, if he shows up and he shows anything less than being spectacular, everybody will say just the same thing we said about the Lakers. I told you so. I don't think he's doing himself any favors by coming back. No. At all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anybody else have any names they want to throw out there? I can keep it on the nuts train. Katie and Kyrie, I think, go hand in hand. Uh, mm-hmm. I would throw them out because they're both, like, they've never won a title Durant without Steph and the co and Kyrie without LeBron. And people both say that they're, like, you know, elite superstars, Hall of Famers. If they can't even get out of the first round, I think that's a little bit of an oof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Sticking in that series, I don't know how justified this would be, but if the Celtics lose to the Nets, like the Celtics whispers around, you know, them always underachieving have quieted down since their late season run. I mean, obviously they're without Robert Williams, but if they do lose first round to the Nets, that would, yeah, those whispers will start again. Everyone will be like, can this team actually, is the Tatum, Jalen Brown thing worth keeping going? Well, if nobody has any more names they want to throw out there, we've got a quick little segment to wrap it up. Um, it has been recently announced that NCAA football is coming back as an EA Sports game for the first time since NCAA 14. And that got us thinking, we want to design the game a little bit. Aiden, who should the cover athlete be when it comes back? Obviously, Spencer Rattler. Uh, <laughs> but, um, for real, though, I think, you know, a, a first year back, I think the the actual year it's coming back is next year right um but if this year was the first year i feel like they'd play it safe and they'd go with bryce young who's Mm -hmm. you know the face of college football last year heisman winner he's back this year he's a dynamic player he'd be fun to play with in the game to be honest um so i think that would be the the first kind of choice i think another um you know potential possibility would be caleb williams maybe if they want to go Mm -hmm. for more of a narrative Mm -hmm. with you know they'll have him in the his new usc uniform because uh, Bam is a bit boring after all. So I feel like that could mm-hmm. potentially be fun. Uh, but really, the, the main thing I want when um, uh, NCAA football comes back for the first year is for them to do the whole like collectible covers thing, which I typically really bothers me, or doesn't really bother me, but I'm kind of over them to some extent. Like 2K does that from time to time and whatnot. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I feel like they could just do like a cover for every year that they missed and like put the athlete that should have been on it that year. So you have, you know, like a Joe Burrow cover and a Devontae Smith cover, you know, maybe Kyler. Uh, so I think that that avenue should definitely be explored. Brandon Wimbush cover. Exactly. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I remember the, the <laughs> oh, Sparty I, was I, on the Wii cover. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had that game back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'll throw out there. Too. I, you mentioned Burrow. I think Burrow should be on the cover regardless. I think it's been 10 years since we've had a game. We need somebody who epitomizes what has happened in college football in 10 years. And I think Burrow had the best season in college football history since we've been gone. Uh, like, I don't know. I think he's just like a cool guy. And then he epitomized the last 10 years of college football. So I put Burrow on the cover regardless. That's, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard that, but that makes sense. Nick Saban. He's not an athlete, <laughs> but he's probably the most recognizable face in college football right now. Yeah. And as far as a guy who epitomizes everything that's happened, well, what about maybe, you know, Nick Saban, Lincoln Riley, or Ryan Day? And not, not a lot of people would probably recognize Ryan Day, so let's just go Nick Saban or Lincoln Riley. As Lincoln Riley hasn't done most, anything. Dabble. Yeah, but they're, they're, yeah, they're dabble. the two most. Put on there. <laughs> he's kind of falling off. They're like the two most recognizable. What, um, what did Oklahoma do last faces. year? <laughs> <laughs> he's just polarizing what can I say he's just polarizing yeah do y'all um, remember like NFL head coach like yeah, yes. uh-huh. yeah so we could have NCAA head coach and like, I'd put, uh-huh. yeah. but they, Alabama at least Fight has won three national championships in the last 10 years <laughs> yeah 
That's fair as well. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Press X to, to yeah, fund groups that are against NIL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lobbyists. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, why don't they just put like a, a dollar sign on it or something? Because <laughs> NIT, NIT is going to be the forthcoming theme. <laughs> like, exactly. That's fine. Does anybody have any picks for the greatest ever NCAA cover athlete before we wrap it up for today? Shoelace. Denard Robinson? Yeah. I think it's got to be yeah, Tim Tebow for me. No. Yeah. No, it's Denard. It's oh, Tim I Tebow. the last Tebow. one. Yeah. Also, Reggie Bush. Because mm-hmm. the NCAA yeah. cannot strip him of that cover. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That'll be with him forever. Well, I think the thing that I like about Denard Robinson, too, is that he exists purely as a college player. I, that's what, right. what I was saying, that's too. Yeah. Well, that's the same that's with Tim true. Tebow. He didn't pretty no, much. No, Tim Tebow nah, was like, he didn't really, he had some success in the NFL. So, okay. But he's, yeah, he's the, the quintessential college athlete. Yeah, to no, me. he is iconic. I, I agree with you. And he and but his like, cover, his helmet is off, which I think might be the only one, and I think that looks better. Everybody else, like I have no idea. Like I can't see who these this person's face is. You know what I mean? I can see their eyes. That's it. But Jared, tell me something about Denard Robinson's pro career. <laughs> you played receiver. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He played. He, pl- he played running back. Oh. Uh, does everybody know before? <laughs> the Eagles? No. No. Dang. The Jags. Oh, that checks out. Checks out. Yeah. He was in the league for four years. <laughs> wow, yeah, which is kind of impressive, right? Yeah. But see, like, even despite that, he exists purely as like a college athlete in my mind, which is why yeah. I like it as a cover. Um, Sparty. Yeah, that's what I was oh, going to wow. say. Mark Sparty. Sanchez. Yeah, he had, a, cover. he had 135 rush attempts in 2014 for the Jags. Oh wow, it's kind of a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, that is. The more you know. Actually, I did not know Michael Crabtree was on here. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. what? What year was he? Crabtree yeah, was one of the collectible ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Xbox 360 version in 2010. So, speaking of Crabtree, I also wanted to throw out Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald, who I, I think he was the first receiver to grace the cover, which is cool. Well, yeah, I think the Desmond Howard one was after, even though he yeah. played before. I, I just think that was cool because that's like an underrated cover position. Yeah, and he's been yeah, he's been yeah. on Madden and e, um, EA, um, as well as Sean yeah. Alexander too, which yeah. is crazy. You don't really hear about him much, but he was oh, on both as well. I'm sure yeah, others have been too. Maybe Matt Ryan was on was he on a Madden one time? Uh, he was on he was on a EA. I know that the college. I mean, one. it would have been after he won the MVP. Yeah, I think that's or, what I was thinking. Maybe that year. 2016. No, was Larry Fitzgerald? Was the Larry Fitzgerald one 03? Because they both like the same. Yeah, like that. Oh, wow. It was one of like the first sports video games I ever had to. Like I very distinctly uh, remember that cover as well. That same. That was my um, only copy of NCAA was the Tim Tebow one. So yeah. mm-hmm. good memories though. Um, RG3. Yeah, maybe we'll just go with Sparty. RG3. <laughs> Sparty. Yeah, we'll <laughs> there, there are no real like clunkers of like Peyton Hillis is on the cover. That's it. Wasn't it voted on by fans that year? Yes, it was. Yeah. There was there was Owen Schmidt, I saw this, the fullback from West Virginia one year made it. Another one of the collectible (laughs) ones. That's ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) I had the Peyton Hillis game too and I just like I was like going through it. Like at my parents' house, it's still in the basement, and I was over there for Easter. I'm like, why? Like, did this exist? Like, I know it was because of the fan vote, but like, he had a good year on. that year, though. Did, yeah, he I did. Mean, like, it was he had a moment. Deserved. Yeah, he had a moment. Yeah. But he, yeah, I'm looking at Peyton Hills' yeah, stats right now. He had a, like almost 1,200 yards that year, and no other year did he rush above 600. 
Who would be the equivalent? More, yeah. Oof. Who would be yeah. the equivalent of Peyton Hillis if we put an, if we put that another one on like on next next year's Madden, like Hunter Renfro? Oh, yeah. the Renfro <laughs> slam. No, what? Hunter Renfro is way better than that. Um, <laughs> like a one hit wonder. Um, I feel like running like backs a... are liable to be one hit wonders. Yeah. But Carson Wentz. Um, anyway. Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny if he was on there. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Um. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Who is like the most like mid running back you could pick? Like, yeah. oh, but who also had a really good year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, huh. Maybe Jonathan Taylor falls apart next year. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but Jonathan Taylor's like that. I feel like that's like a different level, you know? Like, yeah. Hill has had a good year. He rushed for like 1,100 yards, but it's not like he, you know. Okay, fair. Yeah. yeah. Great. Clyde Edwards Elaire. <laughs> Yeah, he was a first round pick. He was picked over JT. Sony Michelle, yeah, oh, yeah. Antonio Gibson, are all comparable type guys. Yeah. Well, we hope they were all listening. If you guys were listening, go ahead and give us a five star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for mentioning you as a cover athlete. If that wasn't you though, you can still leave a five star review. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe there. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well at lunchpailguys underscore. We hope you enjoy that and we'll have more content for you next week.